Okay, Galatians chapter 4 is where we are today. We're looking today at verses 21 through 31, and the theme is the same. A little couple different wrinkles, I think, that are helpful to us today in this passage. Uh, but uh, Paul is struggling with the Galatians that, that uh, believed in Jesus, experienced Jesus, but yet they've turned back to the law. And he is struggling with them, and he's reasoning with them, trying to help them to understand that we are not saved by the law, and also we do not live by the law. The righteous will live by faith, not through living according to the law. If we live according to the law, we will experience a great deal of difficulty, lack of power, and lack of joy. There's no joy in following all the rules. And rules without relationship breed rebellion. And uh, there's a lot of comparison that we've got to do living up to the law. There's a lot of problems with those who define what the law is and what the penalty might be and those kind of things. So let's see what we can, we can learn from today's passage. Verse 21, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? Those of you that are set in your ways, that you want to live by the law, you want to live by the old way, do you know what the law says? Now, from our frame of reference, the application could be definitely this. Do you really understand what the Bible says? Isn't it amazing how many things are said that the Bible says that the Bible didn't say? And people believe in these things, and, and some of these things become a whole cult. They become a whole, you know, group of believers believing these things, and it can cause harms. You know, we do know that in the Garden, Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve... It, the fruit was not an apple. It wasn't an apple. It could have been an apple, but it wasn't an apple. It didn't say what kind of fruit it was. It just said the fruit that will give knowledge. So we know that, right? The Bible doesn't say that godliness is next to cleanliness, or cleanliness is godliness. And so, kids, if you keep your room clean, then you're going to have a godly life. doesn't say that. Moms and dads say that. Now, what you need to be taking to, to paying attention to, if your mom and dad say, clean your room, that's why you clean your room. Then not because of seeking after godliness. The Bible doesn't say that the Lord will not put on us more than we can handle. doesn't say that. It, it, it's nowhere to be found. The Bible says that he will not allow a temptation to come over us, that he does not give us a way out of the temptation, but not problem. As a matter of fact, Paul said just the opposite. Paul said that all these problems that he experienced, God allowed him to experience those things so he would learn to lean on God. So there's a lot of things. The Bible doesn't tell us that we've got to be baptized to be saved, but people believe you've got to be baptized. The Bible never does say that when you are baptized, 
that it has to be with the person saying, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And if you don't say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the baptism experience, you're, it wasn't true baptism. And you're, you're not saved. Now, when we baptize people, not because of people's beliefs wrong in that, but we do say we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because Matthew 28 says, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why we do that. But the Bible does not say that unless that baptizer says over you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the baptism doesn't count. <laughs> And if the baptism doesn't count and you also believe that you have to be baptized to be born again, you've got a real problem. You know, it, how horrible it would be if, if someone received Christ and, and, and the pastor is struggling with mad cow and he forgets to say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That puts a real dilemma there, doesn't it? If, if, if that happens, if you really believe that, then what you need to say, time out, do it again, please, with Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I don't want to go to hell. I mean, to me, that's just wacko crazy. But here you have these Jewish Christians, happen to be Jews, have received Christ, but they want to go back and live by the law. And, and we saw by keeping those special days, keeping those festivals, and doing all the things that we do to be sure that we're good with God that have nothing to do with being good with God. What we do has nothing to do with us being good with God. We should go to church. We should be obedient to the things, obviously. We should have a morality about us. Absolutely. But none of that is so that we're in good standing with God. None of that is. We're in good standing with God through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Through faith alone, we receive the forgiveness of our sins. Through faith alone, we have a changed heart. Through faith alone, we are covered with the blood of Christ. Not by what we do but by what he has done for us. And so he questions their Bible knowledge. You guys who want to live according to the law, do you even know what the law says? Take a look at it. That's what he said to them. Are you sure you know what the Scripture says about what you're believing? Good thing for us to do. Verse 22 and 23. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman, and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave woman was born according to the flesh. While the son of the free woman was born through promise. Whew. So, there are two religions. There are two religions in the world. You say, no, 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 no. I have Wikipedia yet. There's... Hundreds of religions. No, there are two religions in the world. Did you know that? There is the religion of human attempt. There is a religion of human effort. And there is the religion of God's work, God's provision for us. Two religions, that's it. You have 
Religion that's based on salvation through faith alone in Jesus Christ and all the others. You have, you have the religion that believes that the promise that God made to Abraham and, 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 and Sarah and would go down through Isaac and then Jacob and then the rest of the, the kinfolk that through their family tree, all the world will be blessed because the Messiah would come through those folks. And we have all those things take place. You've got Boaz in the mix. You've got all that kind of taking place. And you end up with David, and then down the road you go, and you end up with Joseph and Mary and the birth of Jesus. That's God's plan. That's what God designed. That's what he wants. And that's one religion. And every other aspect that we have out there today is all lumped in to human effort. And, and that's exactly what Paul is telling the Galatian people here right now. He said, Abraham had two sons, one born by a slave woman, Hagar, and one born by a free woman, Sarah. Now, he uses the terms slave and free. It's not a question of character. Because you'd be really hard-pressed to say that, 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 that the promise was transferred through character and not choice. Because if you hold up Hagar and Sarah and compare them, I'm not sure at, at, at Genesis 21 and Genesis 16 that Sarah was a better person than Hagar. But she's the mom of the promise. And Hagar is not. So you see God's choice is beyond, above, superior to character in this regard. And if you go through the family line, that we, the genealogy in Scripture... Man, it's alarming and comforting. It's alarming of what you see in the family line of the, of the Savior of the world, but it's also comforting when you see that. I mean, there, there's some real problems with the Brewer clan. There, there's, some, there's some people who have lived in this brewer from Jesse Brewer from 1904, tree falls him on him when he was trying to clear off land, and, and, and to Eugene, my grandpa, and even Jesse's dad, all in there. There's some real corrupt people in the brewer, land, brewer clan. There are, whole there are whole tribes of them that you just go, let's, let's don't hear about that. Let's don't hear about that. And that's the same in the family line of God. So character is not the key here. Choice and will is the key here. What God has given us, regardless of the people that were part of his plan, is, ought to really encourage you today. There's only two religions in the world, human attempt and what God has done. Flesh and spirit. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves here is, 
Is my salvation, what I believe is my salvation, what I'm holding to in my salvation, is it through human effort or have I been born of the Spirit? That's what we need to be asking ourselves. And that's what Paul is trying to get these Galatian people to understand. They need to question this. They need to evaluate this. Were, were they, are, they, are they relying on human effort all over again for their salvation? Or have they been born again by the Spirit? So that's where he's getting here. That's what he's building up. He goes a little further now in verse 24. Now, this, be, this may be interpreted allegorically, okay? So, he's going to tell this story to help them see the, the principle from drawing the illustration from Hagar and Sarah. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Hagar was an Egyptian. Hagar was a young lady that was Abraham, Sarah's servant. Slave. She, she worked for the family. Not part of the promise. Okay? Not part of the promise. She had her virtues. God did not mistreat her. God, matter of fact, cared for her even though she was not part of the promise. That's something to keep in mind. That's what the Bible tells us in Genesis 21 for sure. We see that. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Okay? Then verse 26, but the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, rejoice, O barren one who does not bear, break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more and than those of the one who has a husband. So, Sarah is the free woman, and Hagar is the slave woman. That's God's choice. Not character, God's choice. Our salvation has got to be approached, what is God's choice? What does the Scripture actually say about how salvation comes to people? God's choice, God's design in the matter. Then we look in verse 28, and we'll go a little deeper here with uh, Sarah and Hagar. Now, you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. So, just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, 
We are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. And so you got to live out who you are. We are not of the slave woman. We are of the free woman. So here's what goes down. Abraham has promised that he would be the father of a great nation. They're old when that promise is made to them. Sarah is old and Abraham is old. And the older you get, right, it's hard to have children. It's impossible to have children when you get past a certain age, right? So here at 84, 86 years of age, Abraham doesn't see the promise being fulfilled. Sarah doesn't see the promise being fulfilled. Sarah, obviously, because the promise has not been fulfilled yet. They have not had a child. She's discouraged. She's broken. She's impatient. And so Sarah one day is looking at Hagar, and she comes up with what she believes is this brilliant idea. Abraham can have relations with Hagar, and they'll have a child, and at least Abraham will have an offspring. And so it's human effort, it's human attempt to fulfill the promise. Abraham agrees. Doesn't say he fought it at all. It doesn't say he was reluctant in the situation. I think Abraham knew exactly what was going on. And so I reckon that Abraham was as full as the disappointment, as full as the embarrassment, and as, as full as the, the impatience that Sarah was. You know, they probably talked about the promise. When's the promise going to happen? When's it going to take place? Every year that goes by, we get older. And, and every year that goes by, there's, there's no way we can see through this that we can have a child. How are we going to be this great nation? How are we going to bless the world if we can't have a kid? And so Sarah goes, sounds like we need to take matters into our own hands. That's where all the religions happen. Sounds like we need to take matters into our own hands. We sure need to give some explanation for life and death. Take matters into our own hands. We sure need to help people engage with spiritual matters. Take matters into their own hands. You know, there's a real smart man on top of the mountain over there in Nepal, the Dalai Lama. Let's go over there and learn from him. Buddha. Man, you know, he was a troubled soul. He went around trying to make sense of life. He discovered that he felt better when he suffered because he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He was a trust fund kid. And, and he'd go around and see the suffering of people. And so he felt better about himself when he came up with this, this spiritualizing that says that it's okay to suffer. People should suffer. And if you, if, you, if you suffer, then you'll be in touch with yourself more. And so that's good. And so no real answers there. And he traveled around. And he said, you know, what I really think the meaning of life is, is that if you'll just, at the end of the day, do more good than bad, then you will experience nirvana. Right? 
You'll experience a peace. And you'll be okay. That's the very best he could come up with. And, and it caught on. What's the meaning of life? Well, you know, Buddha said, just do more good than bad. You'll be okay. There's no true forgiveness. It's, it's by being a better person than most around you. It, it, you know, if you'll just give some rice to the monks in the morning, and if you just, you know, if you hurt a few people, try to help a few people more the next day, and, and just try to find balance. Well, that's human effort. And all these religions that are based on human effort, it's, it's denying what God actually said. You've got to be baptized. This is the only, this is the only true church. If, unless you were saved in this church, then you're not truly saved. Right? We are the church of the new revelation. Jesus was a part of a revelation, but now we're the church of the true revelation. Man's effort. Man's determination about what the road is to find truth. And, and, and so Abraham and Sarah here, they take matters into their own hands. And they began that whole other religion. Unknowing to them. That's that heart of it. That's what that's like. And so they take matters in their own hands Abraham has relations with Hagar, and 14 years before Isaac is born to Sarah, they have Ishmael. They have Ishmael. 14 years in there. Oh, the conflict between Sarah and Hagar. Can you imagine being in Sarah's shoes? I mean, it's her fault, isn't it? It's her fault that the promise has not come through her and through Abraham and through that promise. You know, it's her. She, I mean, can you imagine the self-esteem issue that she had to face? Every time she saw Hagar, she just couldn't. I mean, you know that she steamed over that. Matter of fact, she had enough and she told Hagar and Ishmael to go away. And God met them out there and said, what's going on here? And there's conversation between Hagar and God. And, and she's hiding Ishmael over under a bush. And they're trying to find some water. And God gives them water and God takes care of them. And God says, go back and do what Sarah says to do. Go on back. I mean, he cared for her. He didn't, because she wasn't part of the promise. He didn't, he, she didn't just, God just didn't say, get away. You're no good. He cared about her. He knew that, that the conflict that they were going through was not Hagar's fault. It was Sarah's fault. But she's not part of the promise. And so, Ishmael's in the world. Right? Ishmael's in the world. Fourteen years later, Ishmael's 14-year-old, Isaac is born. He's the child of the promise. You've heard the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what you hear. He's the child of the promise. Oh, the conflict intensifies. And one of the lessons of the story of Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Isaac, and Ishmael is this. When 
people become impatient with the promise and take matters into their own hands. Life becomes complicated for lots of people. Ishmael is the father of the nomadic Arabs. The nomadic Arabs. His offspring is all over the world. Ishmael. Interesting enough, Abraham is the father of Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and Jesus. Ishmael is the father of Mohammed. Boy, hadn't that made things really complicated in the world today? Sarah, why didn't you wait? You just had 14 years to, to go. You had to wait. And when Isaac was born, Ishmael laughed. Now, a lot of people have really, I think, made more of that than what needs to be made of that. A 14-year-old, you're going to hold him responsible for laughing at a little baby? I mean, you know, a little bitty baby, especially the first day or two. I mean, most of them look like me. Right? Smashed head, very little hair, baby hair like right there. You know, I'm always thinking when a barber does my hair, can you in good, can you really charge me for this? That's what I think. Are you going to, can you really in, in peace charge me full price? But, but Ishmael laughed. Oh, that was more than Sarah could handle. They're gone. They're out of the mix. But the lesson for us is this. The promise was through Isaac. The promise was through Abraham. And that promise was through Jesus. Yes, disobedience makes matters complicated. Disobedience makes things difficult. And disobedience of Sarah and Abraham caused them some real turmoil. But God's promise was carried out because that's what the Lord does. It's really interesting that um, in the Quran, the Bible doesn't use exchange Ishmael for Isaac. I mean, Abraham, in the Bible, you've got Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice. In the Quran, Abraham goes to sacrifice, but it doesn't use the, the boy's name as Isaac. And it doesn't use Ishmael, but indirectly it says that the boy was willing. The boy of great character. The, the boy that Abraham was very pleased with. It discounts Isaac in the scripture's account of the story. Where's the wood, dad? What's going on here? What's going to happen? The Lord will provide, Abraham told Isaac. And so that in the book of Genesis, in the Quran, it says, no, 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 no. The son was willing to be sacrificed 
to glorify Allah. And so there's a difference in there in who the two sons were. And so the Islamic tradition is this. They believe the Quran says to them that Abraham took Ishmael on Mount Moriah to sacrifice. And the Islamic people today will say, of course he did. What's on Mount Moriah today? The Jewish temple? No. The Dome of the Rock is. And so we're right. And so that, that impatience of Sarah has called great impact in the world today. Makes it complicated. So there's some things we got to learn from this scripture today. First of all, is what you're believing and what you're following actually from the scripture? Is your faith based on what is actually from the word of the Lord? It actually says that. It's a dangerous thing when we ask people questions like, what do you think this verse means to you? And you say, well, I think this verse means to me such and such. And then you go, okay, very well. That's what it means to you. That's your truth. No, no, they could be completely wrong. They feel it means that, but that's not how we need to go about it. The way we need to go about it is, what does that verse actually say? In the Bible, the verse actually says, the way of salvation is through Jesus Christ, not through any way you choose, not through many roads, not through works, not through human effort, only through the work that God did through Christ on the cross. You can't be good enough. You can't be religious enough. You can't go to church enough to earn the right of salvation. No one of, none of us can earn the right of salvation. It is through what God has done for us through Christ. Not born of human effort, but born by the Spirit of God. So are we actually practicing? Are we actually believing in what the Bible actually says? That's got to be crucial. And the second thing that I think is overwhelming in here, and there's some side lessons here I think are good. God plan uses imperfect people. God plan often has a different time schedule than we have. Obviously, Sarah was 14 years early on pulling the trigger. But probably the great lesson that we need to find from this is, are we really believing Scripture? Are we understanding Scripture? Are we living out what the Scripture actually says? And the third one is, you just got to be okay with God's plan. You got to come to the place where you go, it's God's deal. It's God's world. It's what God wants. And the way of salvation, according to the Scripture, for by grace you're saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God and not of works, lest any should boast. And so the only way of salvation is through Jesus because that's the only way we're born of the Spirit. And every other way is being born through human effort. You know, a lot of times at camp like we're having today, they're going to have an invitation. And a lot of kids are going to go forward because their friends do. 
We have to deal with that. We had to know whether or not they were committing themselves to Christ by faith alone. Right? Many people get baptized because it would just make mom and dad happy. A lot of kids, a lot of teenagers do that. Peer pressure, you know, or say, you know, uh, for Mother's Day, you know, Grandma's going to be here, Aunt Susie's going to be here. Wouldn't it really be nice if you'd be baptized? And the kid goes, yeah, I'll please you. Yeah, I kind of wanted to get up there and see what that water's like. Human effort. Not born of the Spirit. Going through the motions to please other people. That's human effort, right? And so you need to ask yourself the question, was I born by the Spirit? Or am I just about human effort? I realize there were things in my life that I need to change, and I will it. It's discipline. It's, it's mind control. It's, it's me doing better than I've done. It's just me t- just reaching down by the bootstraps and pulling on out and, and just doing everything I can do to be a decent human being, to culturally be, to fit into that church thing. Learn to sing at the right time, learn to be a part, learn the language, the lingo, and all those kind of things, but not been born of the Spirit. Not born of the Spirit. It's God's choice. It's what God wants. That's what we've got to come to. May the Spirit speak to you. May you know for sure about your salvation. May you know for sure. May you know for sure that you've been born by the Spirit and not by human effort. Born to be right with God through what He's done for you, not to please other people. And one way you know is, as time goes on, you realize that you live to please Him far more than you ever did. If you can see the presence of the Lord in your life, the evidence is there. So we need to be okay with what God has established. Father, help us to live for you, to, to, to grow in you. Help us, Lord, to understand what these scriptures say to the Galatian people and help us to apply those things. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.